Daddy Lady, the book club of love. Actual episode. Okay, so apparently we're doing twin sites on twin sites at this point. Well, we're reviewing a book, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're doing an actual episode now. But I do. I have a uh, plenty of twin sites. Let's hear them. Oh, hi, Vera Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. How do you do? Pretty good. It's almost our birthday. Woo! We got another letter from Nottingham L. Uh-huh. She did confirm that Orzel Gummidge is a scary mofo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and as she said, as you say, there wasn't much else to watch on British TV in the late 70s, early 80s. Bagpuss or the flumps, maybe. <laughs> but I had to look these up because I don't we didn't I don't remember these bagpuss. It looks to be some type of Victorian cat. Okay. And then the flumps just look like these, um, I'll show you a picture. They kind of look like if the M&Ms in a, in a poo had a baby. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nottingham L, that you had to <laughs> see this. Uh, something else she said regarding uh, the way that we ended our episode. We, uh, If you didn't listen to it, we went to a party mm-hmm. that I was very nervous about. Yes. I met a mom. Yes. She said, glad you both enjoyed the party. I liked the before and after segments. It's very gratifying when you meet a parent with kids the same age who's on the same wavelength. Uh, She said, uh, I eventually, uh, she was talking about her own experiences meeting other parents. And she said, I eventually met a wonderful mom who is now a wonderful friend, but I often equate my approaches to her to dating. Oh, yeah. That is totally true. I ended up seeing that mother. We had a play date. Mm hmm. Like you, I don't want to say too much now, you know, because if she listens to this, like, I I don't want to scare her off. <laughs> totally. I will say the first 10 minutes of us talking, and we had, a, we had a lot in common. Like, we're both married to performers, comedic performers. We both perform in sort of a male-dominated profession. But, like, in the first 10 minutes, we had, like, a deeper conversation than I've had with any oh, that's awesome. random parent I've met through school. Yeah, so that's it. I'm not going to say any more because I don't want her to, you know to listen to this and think I'm like, you know, going to give a play-by-play of our friendship. If indeed it continues. Uh-huh. I mean, we do have some sort of vague plans, but... Okay. Yeah, so anyway. Cool. All right. Okay, so we're going to actually do the consent guidebook today. We spoke with Erin. We did a... Pre- we interviewed her before we are recording this, and it was wonderful talking to her. Should we get into our episode? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Bella. We are doing the Consent Guidebook by Erin Tillman. So as I mentioned, we did speak with her. One of the very first things we talked about was how it is the educator's duty to continually update your education. Yeah. And um, unlike some Pat Allens we could mention. That was a great start to this conversation. We really enjoy this book. It's a workout for your mind. Yeah. And God bless the person who reads this and is like, yeah, I knew all this stuff already. I didn't know everything. No. There's so much in here. This book is for people who... It's for everybody. There's a lot of this book is about taking responsibility for your actions. It's preventative. Yeah. It's for like after you fucked up Mm -hmm. and everybody has fucked up. You know, everyone has fucked up of every gender. I think that's safe to say, like, because... Yeah, reading this, I realized that I fucked up. There's a quote on page 134 that actually I think we can kind of start with. Sexual assault, it's from Dr. Donna Oriowo, speaker, sex educator, therapist. The quote is, sexual assault, after all, is not about sex. It's about power and those who exert their will over others to prove something to themselves. I think if you want to generalize human behavior with each other, especially when it's intimate, 
you are always acting from a place of there's there's an element of something that you want or need. Mm-hmm. So in any interaction you're going to have, there's always going to be that part of it that's like, it, whether it's self-preservation or just, you know, providing for yourself, or if you need to prove something to yourself, you know, it may be actually like taking from somebody else, but everybody does that. Like during dating, you're, you're angling to get something that supports you mm-hmm. and you can cross that boundary very easily, I think. Yeah. I think a lot of it's healthy because if you're constantly giving, you know, you're not providing for yourself, that's unhealthy, you know. But I think it's like, it's really easy to cross boundaries all the time. So what was what were you thinking of? Did you, you you had an example of a time that you you know I'm I'm reading through this book and I, I get to about the middle of it and there's so much good information in here and and I see myself in it and this book really made me reexamine pretty much every encounter I've ever had. Yeah, there's a part here on uh, page 81 that goes. Uh, it's a woman, Victoria Ray, and she's talking about. Um, having started to date after a very, like, a a long-term relationship ending, and she said, consent is uncommon. I hadn't realized I actually needed it. I'd never given verbal consent, and I'd also never received it. That made me think of a couple different things. First of all, it made me think of um, the only two relationships I had where we really talked about having, like, our first sexual encounter there's there's only been two like of all the people I've dated which hasn't been that many but it was significant like it was um the first boy I had sex with and my husband like we kind of planned out when it was going to happen and I don't think it's a coincidence that those were two I think that the first guy that I slept with was as good as it could be for two you know children two kids we're adults but you know what I mean Mm -hmm. that laid the tone of my whole relationship with my husband I know that's a very simplistic way to say it, but it was basically every other person I've been with, like whether it was a kiss or or having sex, there was no discussion beforehand. It was just kind of like, let's throw the spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. And there are repercussions for that, um, especially the sexual ones, because it set the tone. It set a power imbalance, you know, because had they asked me, I probably would have said, uh, no, no, let's, let's, you know, I'm not comfortable right now. Let's maybe wait. But the question was never posed. So mm-hmm. I didn't get to give my consent for that stuff, even though it were, they were people I liked. Like, had we just had that conversation, being able to vocalize yes or no is very powerful for them, but also for yourself, because you're you're solidifying for yourself what your wants are and what your needs are. Um, she talks a lot about like uh, practicing no, yeah. not not just to relationship stuff, but just to every just to various things in your life, and it's it's very powerful. Practicing no, and then you could also practice asking. And that's a scary thing to do. Like, can you imagine asking somebody like, well, in your head, if you imagined it, asking somebody if they're ready for sex or they want to kiss you. And if the answer is no, like that's a scary thing and maybe not something you want to hear. But it's also very powerful because now you have it out in the open and you can move forward from there. But I did think about a friend of mine who had been, I'll just say, very cuddly with Mm -hmm. like somebody I really liked. And one night we, uh, he just sort of moved ahead with something that I wasn't comfortable with. And it's at the time, it's like I felt I had so many different feelings. Like I had invited him over. We were drinking. Like we obviously liked each other, but we hadn't had that discussion. Yeah. And when he moved ahead and I didn't want it, it ended our friendship for a very long time. And that didn't have to happen. And I didn't know what to do with like any of my feelings about that. You know, like I felt bad. I felt violated, but then really bad because he was a good guy. And I I felt like I had, you know, I think the old terminology would be led him on, which I don't, I'm not using that anymore. You know, there's no leading on. There's just miscommunication. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, it made me, it made me look at all of my relationships. Yeah. Um, I I mean, in a case like that, I would imagine there was a chance that he 
thought that that's he was doing something that you wanted. Absolutely. But you guys didn't talk about it. Right. There's stuff in this book about not taking stuff personally. Mm-hmm. And that's like, if you'd had that conversation, you might have both been relieved. You know, like he, I, I'm not saying, I do not know this person. I do not know the situation. Maybe you think you're fulfilling a role or like you're going to disappoint somebody if you don't like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's not about, you so even if you do get rejected in that situation this book is like emphasizing that you you can't take it personally you don't know what happened to that person during the day you know like there could be a million reasons that have nothing to do with you or they could have something to do with you she also says that maybe maybe it is you you know (laughs) yeah still the important thing is is that nobody is doing anything that crosses a boundary right you know and the only way to do that is to communicate another reason why i'm really upset with getting to i do because you're told not to talk. Yeah. It's really fucked up mm-hmm. that you would, and this is like, you have to practice talking. And yeah. and this whole book starts with like two points that I love. One of them is that all this stuff is rooted in childhood. Like you, you learn boundaries as a child. So I gave away number two, which is boundaries. Like mm-hmm. as a child, you learn about what someone can and can't do to your body. Yeah. Like for us, there was some spanking, you know, not much. But like if you've ever been spanked, that's going to stick in your mind and it's going to change your behavior. Like your body is not your own for the time that someone is spanking you. Yeah. And also like adults don't like children to have boundaries because then they cannot control their children. Yeah. It is very frustrating, you know, when a, when a two-year-old tells you to fuck off, basically. <laughs> Because you're like, you're tiny. I could pick you up and place you anywhere I wanted in this house. <laughs> but you can't. Like, and you, you try and create a boundary so you don't feel furious. Yeah. It's very hard to take a breath and, you know, but. And not exert your power over this somebody who's act- essentially powerless, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they are and they aren't. Like a kid can stop a party, you know, a kid can derail your outing by throwing herself on the floor and screaming like yeah but you and I have talked about this we talk about the way that our kids um you know aren't scared of us like I would have been very scared to do some of the stuff that my child does yeah and there is a limit to that but there's also something to be said for the fact that my child isn't afraid of me yeah I like that a whole lot more than my child being afraid that I'm going to be angry or afraid that I'm going to punish him in some way that's that's really detrimental, you know, like physically or something like that, or even emotionally, you know, like my child is, my child is not afraid that I'm going to spank him or give him the silent treatment or, you know, like the emotional withdrawal. Yeah. Or the sending to bed without dinner. Like my child is not afraid of any of that stuff because that's not stuff that I do. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I gotta say. It's preferable. Yeah. (laughs) My, my kids know that I go like when I get super, I'll, I'll lead up to this. I'll beat by saying like, I'm starting to feel frustrated. I'm starting to feel frustrated. And then eventually I just go, fuck. For me, it's like the valve release. Like Mm. once I say fuck, once I scream it or then everybody goes, fuck, 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 fuck. And then everyone else gets it out of their system. Oh, I like that. And then we're all back to normal. But before I didn't give myself permission to say fuck, uh-huh. oh my God, like I would get so, I would feel so hopeless and so agitated. Yeah. So I say fuck and they all know the word fuck, which brings me to another point. <laughs> one of these times, one of my kids said back to me, have I told this story where he goes, he says, I fuck you. <laughs> nope. Yeah. <laughs> That, I found that very upsetting. Yeah. 
like I've never used it in that context. When I told, I think I haven't told this story, maybe I haven't. When I told a couple other people, like his teacher and some other authority figures in, in his life, uh-huh. seeing it as something different, like especially the teacher, I was like, you know, he, he repeated this. He certainly hasn't heard it with me. And she said, well, we don't tolerate that behavior at school. So, if the, you know, blah, blah, blah. My concern was that he had heard it from another child. And if a child had heard, I fuck you, Mm. that's concerning. Yes. So it's a reframing also, which I think ties into this. You know, we have to reframe what is bad for a kid, what boundaries are, what like don't get upset at them saying fuck. Get upset at where they would have heard that language, you know, or in context, though, you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah. that that could be a sign that they've been exposed to a situation that they're not supposed to be exposed to. Mm. You know, our generation, like stuff like that was framed in you're going to be punished if you say the word fuck. I see. That has nothing to do. That's control. You're just, you're trying to control that child instead of understanding what the context is. Did you uh, discover what the origin of I fuck you is? I didn't. I never did. But I monitored it closely. And I did my duty in saying like there may be a child in his classroom who has heard this. um, It is. I mean, my son has come up with some great stuff like, you know, this hecking sucks. I know. He, he, I love... (laughs) He's got some great ones. <laughs> and you probably know because your daughter hears it and then repeats it. She does, yeah. actually. Yeah, she does. She repeats. I mean, she's an emotional sponge as well. So, like, oh, anyway, yeah. so, like, back to being a kid. Um, all your, your boundaries are set as a child. And, and she does talk about this. She starts with boundaries with your family mm-hmm. in this book because that really is where you learn about what you're willing to give to somebody and what your role is in this world. That kind of, that reminds me early on, there's a, a quote from Justine Cross, a professional dominatrix, who we, um, I actually met her. She was sitting next to me at one of Amy Harwick's teas, mm-hmm. lady teas at the Biltmore. Great lady. She has a big quote about uh, consent, but I'm just going to say something that she told me. She, in conversations, said that sometimes she tells people not to pick up the phone when their parents call. And as a dominatrix, she's allowed to say that um, because therapists maybe sometimes will dance around it. But Mm. she said, um, yeah, sometimes when she's in her sessions and she's with somebody who's having trouble with boundaries, she'll do the dominatrix thing and she'll forbid them from picking up the phone when their parents call. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was amazing. Yeah. Oh, um, she gives, um, on page 10, she gives boundary basics. And I love that it's on page 10. It's right away... She says, I just think it's so brilliant. For those of you who might still be trying to engage in and understand this conversation about consent and boundaries, it boils down to this basic level of respect. My body is not yours to touch without my permission and your body is not mine to touch without your permission. Here's why it's brilliant to me is that she's basically saying, if you don't know, if you don't know shit, mm-hmm. here. Here it and is. And she says it in the nicest way possible. Yeah. But this is a book for people who don't know shit and for people who do know <laughs> shit and want to no more improve shit? their lives. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then the next paragraph, everyone's boundaries are different, which is why self-awareness is so important. So, yeah, like you're saying, Vera, it's like it's the people who are who are crossing the boundaries that need to be educated just as much as the people whose boundaries are crossed need to be educated about how to protect themselves. Um, And I just uh, wish they didn't have to protect themselves. That's the way it is, though, you yeah. know, and thank God there are resources. Yeah. Um, this elf, em- emphasis on self-awareness, you know, I see this a lot in... Um, you know, Vera, I realize we need we haven't talked about banging as much as we should in our banging podcast or about dating. Uh-huh. Um, so one one of the things that I see because my age range is like you know it goes it goes all the way up to like you know maybe a, maybe a sixty since we're turning forty six uh, and Blaine's turning fifty six. Mm-hmm. Um, that just seems so weird still. Like 
Anyway, like, so it's that demographic. And I see this in a lot of guys' profiles. They go like, I want someone who's going to call me on my bullshit, which means basically I'm not educated. I want you to educate me. And that sounds so boring. Like it would require so much effort. Like you should be fucking embarrassed to ask for someone to call you on your bullshit. Because what that means is you're going to try shit that you know is wrong until somebody says no. And that's, that's a fucking red flag for me if I've ever seen one. That's emotional labor, too. It is. Like, you, if you know it's bullshit, don't do it. You know, I also don't believe that they're going to accept that criticism. That sounds like they're getting ready for a fight. Some people bond over that kind of stuff, right? Like, it, it prevents intimacy. If you're going to fight over, like, oh, you flirted with the waitress, you're never going to get to the part where you actually, like, connect. Mm. That takes up so much effort and time. Yeah. People with quote-unquote bullshit. Oh, yeah. Again, like, about the whole taking it personally, like, rejection it's like it's baked into our culture, like the idea of re- being rejected. And I think it's because it provides a narrative. You can tell a story about being rejected by somebody or you're like, I rejected him but the or her. But the real thing is that you had a boundary, you know, that was crossed. Mm-hmm. In rejection, you put yourself in the center of the situation where it's really not about you, you yeah. know. Or we've been told in books like Bitches and getting to I do that like it's been simplified down to these concepts that aren't exactly right and they're kind of based in like pop culture which she has a whole section on that as well uh not reality yeah it's a crappy way to frame things I remember an attached like one of the parts I liked I wish I had in front of me but it it talked about like if you are not compatible with somebody then don't feel bad it just wasn't the right match you move on and you keep looking or whatever it almost doesn't put it on either person you guys just didn't it didn't work yeah it did you know rejection though it's like there's automatic somebody who's rejected and somebody who's rejecting and there's hurt feelings and there's a, maybe a bad guy maybe a good guy yeah, you know yeah. be, it doesn't have to be that way like I think if you frame it in compatibility <laughs> but that takes somebody recognizing that they've maybe not paid enough attention uh-huh. to the other person to recognize that they're not a match maybe it's looking beyond the fact that you think that person's hot you know maybe it's looking beyond the fact that that person doesn't seem to like you (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) or doesn't have any there's no spark there no chemistry no chemistry Yeah. yeah you know if you looked at somebody else as like a person as opposed to somebody who maybe I mean I think it's called conquest culture yeah that's mentioned in this book yeah you would understand you're not being rejected you you were never in the race, you know, <laughs> which is maybe hard to swallow, but, but, it, but that's, and it's good though. Learn to swallow it. But also maybe that person didn't see in you something that was, you know, compatible. And I think there's a lot to be said for continuing to look for somebody who is a better suited for you, but also working on yourself, you know, but taking it out of that bitch or that asshole rejected me or, you know, that type of way of thinking about things. It reminded me that my quote unquote rejection stories are some of my favorite. And I hadn't really thought about any of them in a while. Like they're, my favorite one is, I, I mentioned this in other podcasts, like I like to be turned down. It makes me empathetic. You know, it's not something that women f- experience as much, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I find it kind of funny in a way, like it's, it's humbling. Yeah. Um, one time I went out with a coworker and I think we like, we were attracted to each other, but we hadn't really talked that much. So we, we, he took me to a restaurant 
we ate and we had a beer and he's like, I don't normally drink, but he had this beer. And then we went to a bar and then he just got plowed. Mm -hmm. And then we got in his car, his nice car, and he proceeded to drive the wrong way down some streets in downtown LA. No, no, no. And then we finally got home. We talked a bit and stuff. And then like, then I walked him to his car and then he was like kind of hemming and hawing and stuff. So I made like, I made the rare move of like advancing towards him as if we would kiss. Mm -hmm. And he stopped me Mm -hmm. and he goes, you're a bad influence on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Like, okay. <laughs> and then he drove straight into a pole. Yeah. In telling that story, I'm like, oh, he was really drunk. Maybe I shouldn't have tried to kiss him. I don't know if it's exactly the same situation, but I was, you know, at least I was in a place where he, you know, I wasn't, is it weird for me to tell the story? Anyway, the punchline of it is that he actually did stop working at that job and um, did become a monk. So. Oh, okay. All right. So. so, so okay. <laughs> and now I know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, Barbara, don't get into a car with a drunky driving. You're, believe me, it would never happen now. This was like okay. 10 years ago. Okay. Um, that's not the point of the story. <laughs> but it, all, yes, I can, no. all I can hear is the twin got into a car I know. accident. Well, with that's the, not what I was saying, with though. the guy who doesn't know how to handle his we're, We've both gotten into many cars with many drunkies over the years. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's not good. Um. Yeah, anyway, so that's like, that's a story of rejection for you. Actually, I had a boyfriend who, um, we would go to parties. He, he would drive us there and he would get really plastered and uh, we would fight. And then he would want to drive home just really, like really drunk. Uh-huh. And I, I, I can admit that I don't know how, I don't know how to drive drunk. <laughs> I choose not to drive drunk. I choose not to drive buzzed. But my solution to that you know, was that I would drive and then I just wouldn't drink at the party. Oh, God. So I would, you know, like that was the solution to um, to uh, my boyfriend's raging alcoholism was I would like just become more responsible <laughs> to make sure that we didn't that he didn't kill us driving home. And also maybe we wouldn't fight. That um, that reminds me of the um, at the back of this book, there's a list of resources. And the first one is Al-Anon. <laughs> Uh, we didn't. We didn't last too much longer after that. Yeah. Hey, something on page seventy-two. Do you mind if I skip around a little bit? That kind of stopped me in my tracks. Starts on page seventy-one. Consent, green lights, and red flags. She gives a number one respecting somebody's venue preferences. Two respecting somebody's body. Three respecting somebody's energy level slash stamina. Four respecting somebody's uh, someone's physical capabilities or limitations, and then five, respecting someone's preferred form of protection slash contraception. And to read on, contraception choices are highly personal for some people. Pressuring someone into not using their preferred method of protection, stealthing, which is when you remove the condom without telling your partner, mm-hmm. or any other reversal of agreed upon protection is not consensual behavior. So that stopped me in my tracks because I have had at least two partners who told me that they were not comfortable using a condom (laughs) they just did was it a medical reason no they just did not they didn't want to do it and um made me think of like I started taking birth control when I was 18 19 before my first sexual encounter with my boyfriend like because we all had it we had it all planned out blah 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 um but um the pill is not great got to take it every day got to remember it maybe makes you a little crazy has some side effects so I stopped taking it at one point, 
and the, this is with another boyfriend a little bit, you know, down the road. I was like, you know, I, I kind of want to try not taking this because I have, I've always had really bad PMS slash PMDD. So I'm going to try to get myself off of this hormone, see how things go, whatever. So, you know, I got off it and I was like, well, we're going to have to use a different method. And he was like, no. <laughs> so I, I went back on it. Uh-huh. And uh, but I hadn't, you know, you got to take it for like 30 days before it becomes effective. And I was so terrified of the idea of getting pregnant. And I think probably specifically with this person <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> um, we had sex and it was probably like, I don't know, whatever it was, day 25 instead of day 30 on the pill. And I was so scared of getting pregnant also because of uh, America's sexual education where I didn't know that like uh, there are certain days when you cannot get pregnant that I went and got I went to my health care provider and got a a pill a plan B well the nice thing was that he went with you and then he paid your copay oh. and held your hand through the whole thing right? he did what no I'm not even sure he knew that I did it oh. yeah no no I had to do it by myself and it was okay. it was pretty awesome because I got there and they made me take a pregnancy test mm-hmm. which was horrifying because um, and they offered you an STD test too right uh, probably I don't know I don't remember oh, I thought the answer would be no oh <laughs> <laughs> no I don't I don't know if they did or not okay. um but it was a really shitty experience I you know I'm one of those hypocrites that's super against abortion but only for myself like I didn't I I never wanted to have to be in the position where I would have to get an abortion because I it's a really difficult decision for anybody to make but I knew I didn't want to be pregnant at you know the age that I was at and uh, not financially secure or emotionally secure or any of the secures yeah no secures at all yeah so that's that's what happened because my boyfriend just didn't want to didn't want to uh, wear a condom once yeah yeah so it was rough for him that's what I want to say but yeah he's not the only only person that I've I've been with who's been like no I don't I just don't want I would rather I'd rather just not wear a condom but still have sex and because I didn't have boundaries and I was young mm-hmm. I said okay and just made do well in, in this book there's like there's a lot of language about you know about not making someone feel fear of rejection Mm-hmm. or that you won't love them or want to be with them if you do create a boundary. So I think implied in your relationship was that if you did not uh, have sex with him in the way he wanted, that there would be repercussions. Yeah. You felt those, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't tell you how they were set up, but they were set up probably in a million different tiny ways that you knew that you'd be paying a price. Oh, yeah. Um, so that that stuff is really important to to understand too that another way you could be culpable for consent issues is that you convey that there will be repercussions you know Mm -hmm. because you want to control the other person you know and get what you want i know there wasn't like a second it wasn't like well if you're not comfortable because i was i was the pill was almost at the point when it we could have waited five days we could have done other stuff that wouldn't involved you know his wang his jizzy wing his jizzy wang i mean no it could have you could have had a jizzy wang no a, yes a jizzy yes yes to jizzy wang but not like i mean what's a, i'm trying to think of a really disgusting way to put this and i can't like his he i could have his jizzy wang on my test on your lady testicles on my lady testicles you know yeah. what i mean like they could have stayed apart yeah um none of that was suggested it was like it was just basically no i don't want to i don't want to yeah and then you, yeah your setup was okay i i accommodate yeah I can relate to that. I mean, I can't think of a specific situation, but that feeling is like resonating. Mm. You take, you know, you got to understand your jizzy wang sometimes has a better place to be, you know? Yeah. You could hang, hand wang it. You could. Yeah. Um, what else? <laughs> <laughs> um, You're going to leave that on hand wang? 
I mean, it just gets more. Ooh, page 103, this may be related. Maybe you can relate to this. She says that online dating is a good place to practice your... Yeah, yeah. I wrote that down. I've been practicing. You want to hear about some practices I made? I do. I Zoomed a couple times with someone and then we met. Yeah. And the chemistry was not there, even mm. though he was charming, relatable. We He texted me a little while after. Mm-hmm. And that's what I said. I said I didn't think the chemistry was there. And I felt so good. to. That was the first time in my entire life I've told someone... And I, but I had it in mind, like, it's not about you or me. It's not rejection. There's no, there, whatever that thing is, is yeah. not there. Yeah. It was incredibly freeing to be able to say that without hemming and hawing or yeah. wasting any more of his time or my time. And he wrote something pleasant back. Aww. And that was it. Yeah. I had another Zoom with somebody who, you know, we, we had a hard time. Like, technology was f- fucking up for us. And... I just didn't get a vibe that we're like working on it in the same way. In fact, he said it was probably my problem. And for me, that was <laughs> like, um, it was a subtle thing, but it's like, ew. And we finally, and he wanted my phone number. I didn't want to give him my phone number. There were subtle little boundary crossing things. And he, I know he was just trying to make it easy mm-hmm. for himself. Mm-hmm. Hmm, what mm-hmm. is this reminding me? <laughs> but we got on, we talked for a bit. And then like after 45 minutes, cause I realized this was not going anywhere. Yeah. I said I was going to go make myself lunch. And then neither one of us contacted the other one. And it is fine. That's perfect. It is. Someone else I went out with, he had seen in the background of my one of my Zoom calls, the mushroom from Stand Against Evil. It's the prop with two little girls and the mushroom. The magic uh, mushroom. Yeah. With the the mother on top of it. Yes. It's from the Larva of My Life episode of Stand Against Evil that we were in. So we went and watched the episode after I explained to him what it was. Uh And then, you know, we talked later about it. He said it was a really fun episode. Um, So like you guys were like the voices were off sync or something. Oh, you should explain what what happened oh, okay so we're the mothra twins basically and Ori- originally a japanese uh, twin singing duo called the peanuts so the, yeah they were probably dubbed right they were dubbed yes yes so it was your brilliant idea we wrote completely different lines and delivered those lines on set and then we dubbed ourselves so the mouths would not match yes so and, <laughs> so this guy asked like so yeah it was not the voices weren't in sync i said yeah and i explained to him you know what the situation was and he goes Oh, they, they wanted you to do it that way? And then I could have said, <laughs> it was my idea. <laughs> but instead, we had an awkward silence. <laughs> and then I thought about it later. Like, here's this thing that I'm obviously quite proud of. Yeah. Why would you have to ask that question? I think is a red flag. <laughs> um, That's a weird I thing think to it's, say. What do you think? Is it a red flag? I mean, what was your answer supposed to be? Yeah, these motherfuckers made us do this idea that we... I mean, in this case, it would have been like, Worst case scenario, yeah, they wanted us to do it. And by they, I mean our good friend who hired us. <laughs> who created the series worth yeah. the episode. In. I mean, you just never know when you... When, I, maybe my point is, a re, like, number one, oh, there's so many things. It's a subtlety. But now, having not dated for so long, I'm like, the subtleties are the concern for me. Like, the big red flags, I don't even go there. Yeah, Those people don't even make it past, like, <laughs> yeah. their hello. But now, like, I'm able to focus on these little things. So I think, like, when you insult somebody's work... Mm-hmm. right off the bat I think that's a red flag because yeah. if you're confused you would go oh that's interesting and then move on because you're, you're you're not getting something right yes yes like you really wanted to know the answer to that I don't think so because yeah. there were no other questions <laughs> it was just awkward silence right but I think it's significant you know my feelings weren't hurt because it was a I think it was a genuinely good idea mm-hmm. plus I know that when you shit on someone's creativity 
you are shitting on you're not happy where you are. Yeah. Like I understand that intellectually and emotionally now. But I think stuff like that is like it's really important to pick up on that kind of stuff. Like if you're going to do that now, you don't even know me. You're still in the impress me phase and you want to put down my work. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you nipped that in the bud. Yeah. So, um, gosh, there's so much stuff in this book. I, I, I wholeheartedly encourage you to buy it. It's a short read. It's a quick read. It's it's a guidebook. It's like a very practical thing that you should have. I think everybody should have this. So I think it's a wonderful thing to read before you start dating again. Yeah. Because it really helps you define um, or at least to just start thinking about what you actually want from somebody else and what you're willing how you're willing to be treated and as Mm -hmm. i said earlier like the stuff that happens in the beginning of your relationship can really define how the rest of your relationship goes if there's a breach of trust in the beginning no matter how small it is you know a weird kiss that you didn't want or whatever and you really like that person so you're willing to sweep it under the rug i'm here to tell you that doesn't happen it it stays with you sometimes in subtle ways sometimes in not so subtle ways it really lays the groundwork for the power dynamic in your relationship and i don't want to define you know like relationships shouldn't be a struggle back and forth i'm talking about just in the everyday very small micro you know interactions that you have with somebody that it's all laid down in the very first date the very first time that you have intimacy and it's I don't think it's something that is easily transcended you know if you don't take care of it in the beginning so that's why a book like this is really good to read if you're about to go into dating that you know that Jack Kerouac quote for love is a duel (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) wait wait it's hold on the love is a duel as in d-u-a-l two people so the quote that everybody hears is we turned at a dozen paces for love is a duel and looked up at each other for the last time the first (laughs) sorry (laughs) the first line of that which no one ever says Uh emotionlessly she kissed me in the vineyard and walked off down the row there's a lot in this book (laughs) about unenthusiastic (laughs) consent conveniently the part where she duty kissed you or whatever the fuck she did um th- yeah there's there's who's a- dueling yeah <laughs> and then you know that also reminded me of, like tell me i mean what you're saying about like these subtle things that like these micro happenings at the beginning of a relationship i'm not gonna tell you how the relationship ended but i just want your feedback on this okay sure, there's sure. um I, st- here, I started here. to see somebody yes it was like very beginning stages mm-hmm. it was moving very quickly he took me to see a band play love it once we got there mm-hmm. um this very drunk woman came up to him sounds good um like he was holding my hand but then she like took his arm so mm-hmm. i was like there but mm-hmm. she, she never looked at me and she was like talking to him very closely and stuff and then yeah. and then we walked off and then like oh, she got off, she got on stage because it was her band okay and then um after the band finished playing, um, she came over and like pinched his butt. Sure. And then like they uh, went off somewhere for like a half an hour. Okay. And I was just like a little confused uh, about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wasn't sure Why? what was happening. Um, I don't know. I was like a little distracted too because um, you know it was the night before my dad's funeral. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, I don't know if that's appropriate behavior or not. I don't know what kind of like what's going on between them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's giving you some time to just like you know be a bit, just to think. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, I doesn't I'm sure there's a good reason behind this. Right. So, you know, I had to think about it and then like You got a pinch to the bottom of this, Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> and we got home and I was like, Hey, I don't that didn't really feel good. Yeah. Um oh, and also he was gonna join her band. That's why he took me to see them. Mm-hmm. Well first I was like, um, go away from me forever because right. um, yeah. this is the night before my dad's funeral. Yes. And then he's like, No, I'm gonna take care of this. So he took care of it by telling um, this girl not to talk to him because his girlfriend was jealous. 
Yeah. No, it does sound like it's your problem. Pollution I mean, I you didn't com- you didn't have a problem two hours before, but now you have a problem. Yeah, it's my problem. Yes, it is your problem. Yes. Okay. So you had a solution. The solution was to ask him to move in, and I, you know, Perfect. I think Perfect. I think I'd figured it out. Yes. Would he? Um, like- I mean, that makes sense to me. Okay. This guy. See, here's the thing, Barbara. Here's what I'm seeing. You got a guy who's cool. Okay. Yes. Can take you to see a band. Knows the person in the band, yes. right? So I was, uh, you know, I was impressed. Right. right? Um, he is just wanted by this. He's very desirable. The lady who was on stage came over and um, she wanted him. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so which makes me know his value? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, and then it's kind of a test of like whether or not you can be secure standing um, by yourself in a venue, probably with people you didn't know. Um, you know, maybe dealing with your dad's death, dad's recent death. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, you could work on yourself then. That's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. It is. Um, and then he addressed it. I like that. I like that he talked. Once I brought it up, he was very proactive. Exactly. Yes. And then it's like he involved you in the solution. He didn't leave me out. He didn't leave you out. You were, you know, he could understand your feelings. You were a jealous girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Jealous girlfriend. You guys had had how many dates? Like two. Two. Yeah. So, oh. And then, I'm sorry, though, you said you asked him to move in? Yeah, I just felt like, you know, we'd gone through something together and there was only one thing I could do to really, like, I'm not going to just shy away from this challenge. I'm going to invite it into my home. Head on. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. So how'd that work out? (laughs) (laughs) That that was for anyone who's feeling bad about any decisions (laughs) they might make in their life. (laughs) Okay. Um. Now, can I do my wrap up thing? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna get. We're gonna take this down a little bit. This is a little bit serious. No, this is a little bit serious. Okay. So towards the end, um, page one thirty seven, she has a big section about the impact of violating someone's consent, and she has some statistics about how it affects people, and uh, she has a paragraph that I underlined, and it goes like this: Your actions can change someone's life forever and possibly affect all their future interactions. Your actions not only affect the person you are interacting with, but their friends and family by association. And uh, that is very heavy, and it is also very true, and it is something that you need to keep in mind. Barbara, what do you think about that? Yeah, even though, even it feels like, maybe it feels like a Band-Aid for, for whatever you're going through at the moment. Yeah. She, she says your actions are a big deal. Yeah. So you have the power. Maybe, you know, maybe if it's like, unconsciously or consciously you need to feel I mean it's so weird can I like it's weird talking about this stuff because I'm addressing a perpetrator or I'm addressing a future perpetrator as if they're not like someone I know or I know because it's hard to imagine that somebody you know could do stuff everybody knows somebody that's done something sometimes you've dated that person sometimes you have been that person sometimes I have and I'm sure if I thought about it more I mean I've certainly been guilty of like she says, you know, try not to belittle anybody. That thing about stamina, like I know I've gotten frustrated with people who are like, you got to do your jizzy whizzies and, you know, <laughs> hi, I've gotten pissed. Like, but and you should. N- no, I mean, really? not, not according to this, you know, it's like. Uh, well, maybe, I guess there's a difference between somebody who only is focused on themselves versus. Someone trying yes, and, yes, and it's just yes. like, okay, it's been 45 minutes and like. We should not have had that much to drink, and sure. let's just give this a, a gracious ending instead of. I mean, I've said like I remember screaming at someone, "I'm gonna go fucking masturbate," <laughs> because I was so pissed. No like, <laughs> I mean, this in the context of something very, very difficult. But I, you know, there's there's a little side of ugly sides 
that I'm showing. I mean, yeah, not the kindest, not the kindest at all. And there's no excuse for it. I could I could go in and describe what the context was. There's no excuse for it. She just like she emphasizes in this like we owe it to each other to do better. We're a community of human beings. Yeah. So anyway, what I was originally saying was like if you're feeling powerless and that's why you need to conquer somebody, know that you have so much more power sitting on your fucking hands. Mm -hmm. It may feel weird because that's not the way you were raised fucking brat brock fuck face kavanaugh or whatever your name is brock kavanaugh brett right brock who's the brock fucker <laughs> oh oh that's uh, oh that guy it's brock kavanaugh brock oh. turner and brett kavanaugh oh i see okay if your dad's telling you this information and you know like all your friends are telling you this information and you're gonna fe- you feel like you're gonna now like all i can see is brett brett kavanaugh I can't see like a real person. I know it's hard. I don't want to think about Brett Kavanaugh. You mean this guy? I love beer. <laughs> yeah, but Mr. I Love Beer just helped to uh, outlaw abortion in Texas. Fuck yeah. Yeah. This has been fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look at yourself. Look at. Don't look at me because I've done. It's just. It's just. Buy this book here. To sum up, <laughs> <laughs> we have a great interview with Darren. That you yes. can, yeah, she talks at length and is very engaging and very nice and fun and you'll learn a lot. Okay. True. <laughs> Love you, Twinny. Love you, too. Okay, bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye. Hi, this is Barbara. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to do some seeing of us as well, in addition to your listening, please follow us on Instagram at Dady Ladies. And you can also follow the Pooh Bell Twins. Um, we just had our 20th anniversary of performing. So you can go check out our reel, uh, see all the things that we've been up to in the last 20 years. And we love your feedback. You know, I've kind of joked about only wanting positive feedback, but it's like actually the truth. If you love us, Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. That would be so valuable to us. Tell your friends about us, please, so we can get more listeners. That'd be lovely. And then uh, stay tuned for Erin Tillman's interview with us. She's the author of The Consent Guidebook. That's coming up in the next week or so. You can buy her book for a mere $14.99 on Amazon. I think she mentioned you might be able to get a signed copy from her website, which is The Dating Advice Girl. Erin is doing incredible work. And uh, as, as much as I hate hyperbole, I really do think that what she's doing is just amazing work. And uh, I'm grateful that she's doing what she's doing. Whee!